Todd Lippy, the editor of the nonprofit arts annual at Sopus. You've been listening to No Boundaries, created by the Brooklyn-based DJ collective Actual Magic. The track, which samples the Ladysmith Black Mambazo song, Music Knows No Boundaries, appears on the compilation CD included in our latest issue, Sopus 24, which will be on newsstands in early May. The song happens to perfectly reflect the underlying theme of the issue, Much of Asopus 24's content concerns itself with boundaries between countries, cultures, languages, genders, and much more, and in many cases with using creativity as a way to breach them. For this podcast, I'll talk with several contributors to Asopus 24 about that process and its role in their work, and also play you some clips from a few other songs from the issue's CD, Pioneer Sessions, which features music created in the groundbreaking recording studio of the Brooklyn nonprofit Pioneer Works. One could argue that there are a few more daunting boundaries to reckon with than those presented by language, which makes the role of the translator in a hyper-globalized world absolutely essential. Anne Goldstein, perhaps best known for her award-winning translations of Elena Ferrante's Neapolitan quartet of novels, has also created vivid English translations of work by Italian authors such as Pierpaolo Pasolini and Primo Levi. Her contribution to Asopus 24 includes a long-form interview I conducted with her last fall about her translation process. We met in her office at The New Yorker, where, until her recent retirement, she served as head of the copy department for nearly 30 years. There's a great uh, discussion you have talking about translating uh, Levy, and you mentioned the dauntingness of his scientific, particularly, and mathematical yes. scientific prose, <laughs> or chemistry, or yeah, whatever he's, he's discussing. Are there other particularly challenging things you find in translating Italian to English that are that are sort of endemic to that linguistic? Yeah, I mean, like Italian has gender, right? So it's the sentence structure is more flexible. I mean, the verbs contain the um, pronouns. The verbs contain a lot of information. Actually, they contain the tense. They contain the pronoun. They contain the number. You know, everything. Right. So, so, and they, so they can move around the sentence a little bit uh-huh. in a way that in English the verbs can't so much. The modifiers have to stay with their nouns in English, so sometimes an, a complicated Italian sentence is just really, you just have to break it up. Um, because it's, it, its parts go together, but in English they just, you just can't Thanks. squeeze them in. Uh, so that's, kind of, that's one of the things, I think that's, I mean, or that's a number of the things <laughs> right, right. that are hard about it, that, are, um, that make trouble, I guess uh-huh. I should say, going from Italian to English. On the other hand, Italian... Um, sustains repetitions more easily than English, so you can use the same word a bunch of times. Where in English, it's it sounds that word awkward. again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Italian has all those um, suffixes that change the, the that change the nuance of a word. Mm-hmm. You know, the big street example, mm-hmm. um, or the big street or the little street. And you know, in English, if you keep saying the big street, it's just, it just sounds a little funny, a little childish. Right. So, can you just walk us through? Mm-hmm. Um, Someone said, I want you to translate this, or you decided you want to translate a particular yeah. book. How, where does it go from I would there? do. I would do a first draft. Okay. Pretty, I would do it very quickly. Then I would, um, I would not, I wouldn't, I mean, I would look up words, but I wouldn't stop to figure out I see, so it's literally get through I it. I really would want to get, I usually just want to get through it. Uh-huh. 
and then the second draft, I try to solve the major problems. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I often do this thing, which I've since discovered, I think a lot of translators do, and probably writers do too, you know, of putting in a choice of words into the draft. Um, yeah, so I sometimes, sometimes I put the Italian in just to remind myself. So, but I try to solve a lot of those things in the second draft, and especially the larger issues. Um, and then third draft, fourth draft, Fifth draft, maybe. Right. Yeah. Following Goldstein's interview in the issue are facsimile reproductions of her first, second, and third translation drafts of two pages from Primo Levi's Hydrogen, a chapter from his book, The Periodic Table. These are accompanied by the original version in Italian and the galleys of its final English translation published by Liverite Books. These artifacts, along with Goldstein's interview, offer unprecedented access into her process and are bound to deepen readers' appreciation for a creative discipline that manages to bridge so many cultural divides. listening to Forest, a track by duo Jaco and Benoit, another one of the fantastic songs on this Opus 24's Pioneer Sessions CD. Clayton Patterson may be best known for the essential video footage he shot of the notorious Tompkins Square Park riots in New York's East Village in 1988, but the Canadian-born artist, photographer, and folk historian has been documenting every aspect of Lower East Side life for nearly four decades. A few years before the riots, Patterson began hanging out at the legendary Pyramid Club on Avenue A, where he would take portraits of the relentlessly inventive drag performers, among them Lipsinka, RuPaul, and John Kelly, who took part in its Whispers program every Sunday night. Asopus 24 includes 23 of these extraordinary photos, most never before published, along with an interview with Patterson, who describes the intensely creative and intensely integrated scene he was both a witness to and participant in. You know, Lower East Side was also more of, um, like Soho was more of a careerist place, and Lower East Side was much more of kind of expressionistic, cheap rent, just being an artist rather than being a career artist, per se. They're making a living being an artist. Yeah. And um, so you just had this kind of unraveling creativity every weekend. And the Pyramid Club, you see, that was what was so magical about the Lower East Side. The Lower East Side was probably the most racially integrated neighborhood in the world because mm-hmm. it had everybody. You know, Chinese, Indian, Bangladesh, Pakistanis, blacks, Hispanics, you know, Jewish. Jewish, Jewish, the whole, the whole Megillah. And... Um, 
So you have a club like the Pyramid Club, and at the Pyramid Club you'd have like the Hells Angels. Mm-hmm. Um, security would be the hardcore scene, which is very anti-gay supposedly and whatever. But all these stereotypes didn't really apply. It was like a free zone. Almost. It was like a free zone. So um, it had that crazy mixture. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so then you'd have these... and these. The amazing thing about the drag is, which was very unique to the Pyramid Club, and I think really to this period, was that traditionally drag had been, um, like they always considered movie star women right. drag queens. They're not real women, they're made up hyper women, if you yeah. like. Yeah. And so, because it was an exaggerated female form and not a realistic female form, it worked really well for drag in the past. Mm-hmm. And so you had all these you know, um, drag queens playing movie star roles. But the thing about the Pyramid Club is that these were invented roles. See, that's very interesting. It really is. So now you have a totally fictitious character. You know, you might have somebody like Alan that does these sort of like um, Kenny Sharpy kind of space age kind of characters, which is totally imaginative. Yeah. And then you have the, uh, you know, the happy faces and the Peter Quayloffs and the taboos and like that who create characters. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's two ways you can look at them. There's kind of first impression which is sort of like joyous and rich and like that. And then there's second impression, where all of a sudden you realize, wow, these people are making all this stuff out of almost nothing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you see Kathleen, like that little piece of jewelry she's wearing. That's like a, a broken piece of car glass. So right. It's kind of fractured into a thousand pieces. Yeah. But it looks fabulous as a piece of jewelry. Yeah. And then you'll notice like some of the scarves and things. Then you'll see like the edges might be a the bit tattered. Shade, the lampshade. And- yeah, and then the lampshade and things. And all of a yeah. sudden you realize, oh my God. These things were made for nothing, mm-hmm. and that's incredible. Mm-hmm. So you have this, uh, you know, sort of joy, but you have this creativity. That's the Misinfo theme, another track from Asopus 24's Pioneer Session CD. It's by Misinformation, a new musical project developed at Pioneer Works by Mio Hitori, the vocalist of the legendary New York City-based group Chibo Mato. The artist projects in every issue of Asopus attempt to address one boundary in particular, the one standing between artists and their work and the general public. 
We try to close this gap by inviting artists to create projects that encourage readers' involvement and interaction. Sometimes artists will ask our subscribers for raw material, as Jason Poland did in Esopus 11, when he invited our readers to tell him their favorite things in New York, each of which he then sketched from life. In many cases, artists offer posters, booklets, and removable inserts as a part of their contribution, like the 16 detachable prints created by Tony Tassett for his Me and My Arrow project in Esopus 24. Two artist projects in this issue, though, take this call to engagement to an unprecedented level. Hayden Dunham, an emerging artist with studios in L.A. and Austin, Texas, creates multidisciplinary work that stems from intricate concepts that manifest as visible and invisible systems. For a recent exhibition in New York, Dunham created a chemical called gel that existed as a solid, a liquid, and a gas circulated through the gallery's ventilation system. Hey, kitty! A few years back, Dunham invented Cutie, a CEO and pop singer who promotes the energy elixir drink Cutie. Collaborating with British music producers Sophie and A.G. Cook to create the pop morsel Hey Cutie, which Spin Magazine declared the fourth best song of 2014. Hey Cutie! I caught up with Dunham when she recently visited New York, and I talked to her about the origins of her remarkable project for Esopus 24. It incorporates a double-sided pocket, two removable inserts, and an audio track, available only by scanning a QR code hidden within the project, that helps Esopus readers activate Dunham's artwork. It started off with doing research on a specific type of paper. Um, I was really interested in thinking about a format that could transform when it came in contact with another material. The paper that uh, we decided to go with has the ability to become liquid once it comes in contact with water. I was really focused on this feeling that happens when you're holding a piece of paper, that it's both in your hands, but you know that it's temporary, and wanted to really push that with this medium. We found the paper uh, in this manufacturer in upstate New York, and can you talk also about the audio portion as well, sort of playing a role in how readers experience the, the project itself? Well, I think a lot about how whenever you're in contact with a certain material, it can take you into another space and time. It also affects how you physically feel and really pushes um, the boundaries of your body where you kind of become something other than yourself. Hey, listen. audio component, it served as a portal um, between these two realms. When, whenever you take the pieces of paper and put them in water, one will sink to the bottom and the other one will dissolve on the surface. That byproduct, I was really excited about. It was kind of served as this moment of entering into another space and time. Stay with me. I know that you don't have to, but you can. I can't. 
Music can really help reset or redirect a person's energy. So I was really thinking about that in terms of um, this project, how to transport the listener into this space. Do you have any general thoughts about the role that boundaries play in our lives and how uh, crossing them or breaching them can be productive? Yeah, I think it's a mistake to think about ourselves as limited individual entities. I think actually the reality is that we are all each other and I don't think that there is a separation between um, humans and also the materials that we envelope ourselves in. So for me, there is this potential to be expansive and part of that is um, yeah, letting yourself go into the next form. That was Drama Murthy by Brooklyn Ragamassive, another track on the Asopus 24 Pioneer Sessions CD. Marco Maggi is a Norwegian artist who is based in New York and Montevideo. In his works, Maggi uses common materials, including tiny adhesive back forms he designs himself, to create drawings, sculptures, and large-scale macro installations, like Global Myopia, a stunning work he exhibited at the 2015 Venice Biennale. For Sopus 24, Maji contributed Drawing Set, a project which provides our readers with the tools, a sheet of adhesive-backed die-cut forms created by the artist, to create their own artwork on the removable blank page provided in the issue. I spoke with Maji recently on the phone about the project and about our plans for exhibiting these reader-created artworks next fall. I was wondering if you could talk a bit about this project for Sopus 24 that you created and uh, the idea behind it and also how it relates to your other work. Yeah, I, I, I always work uh, relate, relating drawing and language, language uh-huh. and al- alphabet. And the idea was to share my alphabet and and make a challenge to the reader to to work with my technique. So essentially, you're giving them your language to work with as they will. Yeah, it's 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 like a semantic free. Uh, language, no? It's a language that mm-hmm. no, with with no meaning. The 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 idea is like like make a drawing in a language that you cannot read or understand. And uh-huh. it's, it's it's only the 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 focus. Uh, try to uh, slow down to do it or to to see it and go close. No, it's like a fighting fighting a, a, against long distance and speed. That is the, the whole challenge. Yeah, <laughs> it's always my two goals are those: to s- slow down the viewer and to to uh, a closer and a slower 
viewer. The idea is, is mm -hmm. that is the, the, the goal of the whole thing. And this, this project is exactly the same. It's not about the, the object that I do. It's not about the viewer. It's the interaction between both, the, spa the space between both. Well, exploring and really privileging that space has always been one of the main goals of Asopus. And I, I think with your project, we're really taking this to the limit. Uh, you're asking our readers to send us the artworks they create with your forms, and we will be exhibiting these in September in a show at the Jefferson Market Branch of the New York Public Library. I'm really fascinated to see what they create with your vocabulary. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's that that's interesting to know things that I am working each day, uh, doing uh, my, my work. How how with the same element can do very different things. No, like mm -hmm. we know that with zeros and ones we, we can do the whole culture. No, <laughs> now in the in, <laughs> Yeah, in that page we have more more than zeros and one. I think it's totally open and, and <laughs> will be a, a big a big surprise the, the the exhibition and and for me more than for any anyone because I am so familiar with the tools and the technique and and, and see it will be very refreshing and also a interesting experience for me. <laughs> The song we're listening to now is Decisions by New York's Grand Fox and Fry. It's another track on Pioneer Sessions, the audio CD included with the Sopus 24. We've really barely scratched the surface of the issue with this podcast. I encourage you to learn more about the Sopus 24 on our website, asopus.org. But I think it's fair to say that most of the contents, which range from archival contributions from the Museum of Modern Art and the New York Public Library, to work by photographer Arthur Tress, Sudanese filmmaker Hajush Kuka, and the late farmer, engineer, and quilt maker Ernest B. Haight, deal with border crossing, if not border erasing, in vital, provocative ways. It's worth noting that this not only offers a hopeful alternative to the disconcerting political tribalism currently afflicting the world, it handily reflects the mission of Asopus to desegregate creative disciplines, to push beyond the typical constraints of traditional printing, and to narrow the gap between contributors and audience. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.